This episode of News Dump is brought to you by Upstart and HelloFresh. We got a whole bunch of updates for you to round out the week, and we should probably start out with a follow-up to one of the greatest viral videos in the past few years. Bitcoin! No! Bitcoin! My wife, she called me up. She said, oh, no, what are you going to do with it? I don't know why I'm making him Italian, but yeah, you know the video. Yeah, uh, we all saw the video, and uh, of course, the unbridled enthusiasm of one of the company's investors who got up on stage at the company's first and only convention over in Thailand a few years back. Bikone! Bikone! Everyone said I was stupid. <laughs> well, who's laughing now? Uh, it perfectly exemplified how outrageous the cryptocurrency marketplace had gotten at the time, with people and companies claiming over and over again that they were changing the world and also getting obscenely wealthy in We're the all going to be rich! All of us! But we're also going to save the world. But we're going to be rich too. It's the best of both worlds. What? How is this possible? What could go wrong? Uh, yeah. What could go wrong? Hell, during his passionate speech, Carlos called out his wife and friends for thinking that it was all a scam. I am saying to so many people who said that this was going to be a con artist game, that this was going to be a scammer game. Hey, you're going to lose all your money? My wife still doesn't believe in me. I'm telling him, Bohani, listen, this is real. No, 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 no. That's a scam. And I said, but wait, I'm going to go to the bank. I'm going to get my bitcoins. I'm going to actually put it into dollars. Here, they're right on the table. No, oh, that's money that you took from another account. I'll say, what am I going to do? He was the one who was now laughing all the way to the bank and onto the stage of the Thailand Convention Center. Um, yeah, he had obviously become financially independent, all thanks to BitConnect. Well, technically not all the way to the bank. Would have been better off if it had been all the way to the bank, because he was holding that shit. Yeah, that's the problem, is, uh, that term doesn't really work in this case, because it's not really your money until it's your money. Paper millionaire. Uh-huh. So as we all saw, the winter of 2017 going into 2018, it saw historic highs followed by catastrophic lows for the cryptocurrency space. I actually checked my Coinbase account today for the first time in like six months. And recently, it finally got back to about what I initially invested in it in 2017. Hey, like, that's hey, great. <laughs> yeah, look, pretty cool. You know, the, be the best advice I've ever heard about uh, any financial market or investing, uh, it comes from an indirect source. It comes from Ron Popeil, who famously said of his little toaster oven, set it and forget it. Yeah. So yeah, uh, if you remember that time, it was quite striking to see that BitConnect video go viral only to immediately see the value of nearly every cryptocurrency completely crash just a couple short weeks later. Yeah. And then in January of 2018, just about two months after the BitConnect conference and the subsequent viral video, BitConnect itself abruptly <laughs> shut down after yeah. various regulators sent out cease and desist orders against them in the lead up to the death of BitConnect. BitConnect was widely seen by those in the industry as a Ponzi scheme because the company was making promises that were impossible to fulfill. Massive returns on loans that users would provide to the marketplace supported by daily 1% compounding interest based on how much you had given them. It's outrageous. Yeah. As one Twitter user pondered at the time saying, quote, 1% interest compounded daily would make your $1,000 investment worth $50 million plus in three years. Does that sound sustainable to you? <laughs> Sounds I mean, like a good idea. I, You know what? I'd like $50 million. Yeah, you're going to feel real dumb if you don't get in on this now. Yeah. 
which, yeah, that tweet resulted in a reply of confirmation from the founder of Ethereum, who simply stated, yeah, if 1% per day is what they offer, then that's a Ponzi. Yeah, TechCrunch at the time uh, that this was all that's going down. That's a Ponzi. <laughs> yeah. uh, at the time this was going down, uh, TechCrunch uh, added that uh, BitConnect's promise and payment of outsized and guaranteed returns led many to believe it was a Ponzi scheme that was paying out existing loan interest with newly pledged loans. Classic Ponzi scheme. Uh-huh. Just like when that phase guy admitted it on a stream. Yeah. No, you don't understand. The investor money goes to the people who already invested. The new in investors are paying <laughs> off the original investors. Who then. at an at a, uh, interest that was yeah. higher than they initially put So in. as long as I have an infinite pool of new investors to constantly join my uh, investment opportunity, then we're all good, yeah. except for the people at the very end. But it's never going to end. So uh, <laughs> you'd hate good. to be the left one, the one left holding the back. Yeah. Uh, new York Magazine explained the scheme further, showing off just how blatant it was. BitConnect would both loan you a certain amount of its own cryptocurrency, known as BCC, as well as give you a bonus if you could find more people who also wanted loans from BitConnect. In other words, the more people you got to sign up for BitConnect, the more BCC you got. Think of it like Herbalife, but for cryptocurrency. You know, it's not a it's not a pyramid. It's a uh, yeah, it's a delta. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out everyone was right, and even though BitConnect had claimed that they shut down due to bad press, constant DDoS attacks on their servers, and of course the cease and desist orders from Texas and North Carolina's Board of Securities, everyone either already knew the truth because they lost all of their money, or they'd find out very soon because the FBI would be launching an official investigation into the company. What am I gonna do? <laughs> oh, my wife, she was right! I don't think they're married anymore. Probably If I, if not. I had to venture a guess. But yeah, it's been three years, over three years now since we've really heard anything regarding BitConnect, aside from one of its alleged leaders being arrested in India and then posting bail and disappearing about six months after the company went under. Yeah. Where is he now? But on Friday of this week, it was announced that the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission had officially charged the founder of BitConnect for his role in nearly $2 billion worth of fraud. From Reuters... Expanding a civil case announced in May, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission charged BitConnect founder Satish Kumbani, an Indian citizen, with lying about BitConnect's ability to generate profits and violating registration laws meant to protect investors. In a lawsuit in Manhattan federal court, the SEC also charged promoter Glenn Arcaro and his firm Future Money Limited <laughs> with fraudulently receiving more than $24 million in referral commissions and other sums as BitConnect's top U.S. promoter. Arcaro pleaded guilty on Wednesday to a related criminal wire fraud conspiracy charge before U.S. Magistrate Judge Mitchell Dembin in San Diego. His sentencing is November 15th. Yeah. But, yeah, it seems like it might be a challenge to bring any kind of justice to Kumbani because his whereabouts are currently unknown. Oops. And that's in addition to another one of BitConnect's leaders who is apparently still on the run after being arrested over the scheme back in 2018, just six months after the company. Yeah, like, so, like we said, the, yeah. they are now both missing. Where could they be? Yeah. I would venture uh, to say probably uh, on a beach somewhere in Southeast Asia. Yeah. Um, that would be my guess. That would be my guess. As well. But yeah, while it's nice to see that the SEC is saying that, look, while we're going to come after you, getting their hands on this person might be more difficult than they think. Yeah. A real proactive way to deal with this would uh, better financial literacy classes for students because... You know, the first Ponzi scheme perpetrated by, I believe it was Joseph Fonzi, uh, Ponzi, whatever, Mr. Ponzi. Back Mr. In, Ponzarelli? By, yeah, back in like around circa 1920. I mean, yeah. like, fool me once, shame on you. 
But this is a tried and true method for ripping people off. And uh, it's very easy to spot if you do just a basic amount of due diligence. So, um, Elliot, I would uh, venture to say that the public school system in America would uh, not benefit from people being more financially intelligent because then you get low-level workers, low-paid workers, and a bunch of other things out of the uh, public school system, which keeps the gears turning here in America. And uh, they probably want it that way. All according to plan. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's switch over from crypto to the other C word. Cancer. <laughs> no, that brings out all the crazies in the comment section. Uh, now, what should we go with uh, first? Uh, COVID or Capital Riot? We should, I guess we should start with the Capital Riot. The insurrection, January 6th. As time goes on, we're seeing more and more charges and sentences being handed out to those involved. At, that is, if their lawyer even shows up, because apparently John Pierce is still missing. He's probably with those BitConnect guys. <laughs> he could be. <laughs> I'm on a beach. It's great. Yeah. We're sipping Mai Tais. Everything is great. Uh, no, he's deathly ill, it seems. Yeah, it, um, sounds like he's on a ventilator. The latest update does seem to indicate that uh, he's at the very least alive. Quote, at a status hearing for Peter Schwartz, an Owensboro, Kentucky man facing 14 riot-related charges, including felonies, Ryan Marshall, an associate of John Pierce, the lawyer who represents Schwartz and 16 other riot defendants, said he spoke to Pierce on Tuesday evening, and the absent lawyer said he was, quote, beginning to feel better. But Marshall said he then spoke to a friend of Pierce on Wednesday who told him Pierce remained very sick and had spent most of Wednesday asleep, but alive. I do like that there's like 10 points of contact for this guy and they all have different stories. Yeah, I mean, it's the classic. That's You want to find out which of your friends is snitching? You give each of them a different story. Yeah. And then you hear in the news like, oh, they're saying I'm dying. Well, that's obviously uh, that guy. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to trust you with my important information anymore. I mean, you might snitch. be right. Yeah, exactly. It's a classic spy uh, tactic. Mm -hmm. But arguably the most famous defendant charged in the Capitol riot has to be the QAnon shaman, the iconic QAnon shaman, mm -hmm. who uh, showed up to the insurrection with his giant horns, his fur hat, and his spear, and was able to successfully make his way from the protest outside, through the halls of the Capitol, and into the Senate chamber, photographed the entire way. Here I am. So that guy, actual name Jacob Anthony Chansley, he's got a couple other names too. Yeah, he was going really by a different name uh, during his... Uh rise through the ranks of QAnon. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out that's his actual name. Well, he has now officially pleaded guilty to a felony for his participation in the Capitol riots. From the Washington Post, on Friday, Chansley, in a deal with prosecutors, pleaded guilty to one of six charged counts, corruptly obstructing, influencing, or impeding an official proceeding, a joint session of Congress meeting to certify the 2020 presidential election. A former actor and self-described QAnon conspiracy follower Chansley faces an estimated prison term of 41 to 51 oh, months yeah. <laughs> under advisory federal guidelines at his sentencing on November 17th, U.S. prosecutor Kimberly Paschall said. Quote, that is really what happened, and you are in fact guilty? U.S. District Judge Roy C. Lamberth asked at a plea hearing in federal court in Washington. Yes, Your Honor, said Chansley, who appeared by video teleconference from a low-security federal prison complex in Littleton, Colorado, where he was taken for psychiatric evaluation in July. He admitted. He admitted. And, uh, yeah, I mean, 41 years. Yeah, I was kind of be like, that's ridiculous. 41 months. Yeah, it's like three and a half yeah, years. Yeah, three and a half years. So, look, I don't know. Is that justice? Better than nothing, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
Eh, I don't know. I don't know if any stay in prison in this country could be really considered justice. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but that's the thing is it's like... I mean, theoretically, in a prison system that isn't completely like punitive and doesn't just turn incarcerated criminals into even more fucked up people, yeah, three and a half years, probably fine. Yeah. In, three and a half years in like an Icelandic prison? Sure. Perfect. He's been rehabilitated. Yeah. <laughs> three and a half years in federal prison in the United States will turn you into a... This dude's going to come out looking like an person. actual fucking yak. Yeah. Yeah. Now, anyways, in addition to the uh, QAnon shaman's guilty plea, another now infamous Capitol rioter named Douglas Jensen is back behind bars. And if you've been watching our show for the past couple of weeks, you'll probably already know why. Oh, yeah. Uh, Douglas Jensen <laughs> was one of the rioters who was captured on video confronting Capitol Police Officer Eugene Goodman inside the building while going up that staircase. Uh, he's also the guy whose lawyers argued that he was too stupid to be malicious because he thought the Capitol building was the White House the entire time and was even seen in video evidence saying, storm the White House and, quote, this is me touching the fucking White House. Your Honor, my client is a moron. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, what got him covered on our show was the fact that uh, after he was arrested for his participation in the insurrection and eventually released from jail to await trial, Douglas Jensen decided to risk it all in order to watch Mike Lindell's cyber symposium, despite one of his conditions of release being that he wasn't allowed to have access to the internet. Well, because of his absolute necessity to consume Mike Lindell content, Douglas Jensen is now officially back in jail. From the Washington Post, a self-described poster boy for the January 6th Capitol riot was sent back to jail Thursday after violating a federal judge's order to stay off the internet. A lapse his lawyer attributed to his seeming addiction to the QAnon cult. Uh, previously, as we said, uh, Jensen agreed to abide by the judge's order imposing conditions for his release, including not accessing the internet or using internet-capable devices, including cell phones. But two weeks after Jensen's release, a court supervision officer found him alone in his garage, streaming news from a right-wing site to a Wi-Fi-enabled iPhone, according to court filings, and prosecutors moved to revoke his bail. Jensen later admitted that he had also spent two days watching a cyber symposium held by pillow magnate Michael Lindell to perpetuate false claims that the 2020 election was hacked in favor of President Biden. On Thursday, Jensen's defense lawyer, Christopher M. Davies, said that at first glance, it might seem Orwellian that a man in his garage could be sent back to jail for streaming the news, but Davis conceded that Jensen had violated the judge's plain order. Quote, we know why we're here. Mr. Jensen knows he shouldn't have done this, <laughs> Davis said. I do liken this to an addiction. Why else would anyone incarcerated in D.C. jail for six months and just released do this? I don't have a good answer for this. I don't think he does either, Davis said. As I've stated before, listen, this, this guy, guy is an idiot. He thought he was in the, the White House, so that's the type of person we're dealing with. He doesn't here, even know where he is, okay? So maybe a little leniency. Also, he is, as we said in the episode that we covered this in the first place, the uh, the lawyer is arguing that like he has a full-on medical addiction to right-wing news to the point where if he doesn't have it, he loses his fucking mind. Yeah. So he's like, he, he fucking shut the garage door, turned on the Wi-Fi, fucking got the Lindell out. You know what this guy needs? Video games. <laughs> he can channel his obsessive personality. Well, he can't play anything connected to the way. internet, so it'd have to be like... Uh... There's plenty of great games out there that are not online. No, he, you, you know, the court would be like, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's get him some court-ordered video games, some single-player games. And this dude, it would be like the that Twilight Zone episode. He'd get into his garage. He's got all the time in the world, fires it on. It's like, this requires an update. No! 
There was time. <laughs> there was time. Always on. Why do I? It's a single player game. This is bullshit. This requires a six gigabyte update. You need to connect the internet to do it. Oh, God damn it. Yeah, that's true. He would need a like a human proxy to do the updating for him. Yeah. It's a new job that we can invent. Well, anyway, we've yeah. done crypto. We've done Capital Riot. Now it's time for COVID. I'm getting seasick from all these C's. And you're saying to yourself, how could there possibly be more news related to the consumption of horse paste? But we regret to inform you that we do, in fact, live in a society. (laughs) We do. Folks, the residents of the great state of Oklahoma in these United States are now unable to seek treatment for non-COVID related injuries because the state's emergency rooms are now filled with people overdosing on ivermectin. They're neighing, they're kicking, they're bucking. (laughs) (laughs) They're lunging at any apple they see. John, put them down. Uh, Here's Insider. A doctor in rural Oklahoma said the number of people overdosing on the deworming medication (laughs) Ivermectin was so high that emergency rooms were filled to the brim. The situation is so dire that people with gunshot wounds have to wait their turn to get treatment. Dr. Jason McElier, an ER physician affiliated with hospitals in Salisaw, told KFOR, an NBC affiliate in Oklahoma City. The article continues, adding, Michaelia uh, spoke to the channel this week about the dangers of overdosing on the version of Ivermectin meant for use in livestock. He said the hospitals he worked at became overwhelmed after people started taking Ivermectin, believing unverified claims that it's an effective COVID-19 treatment. Quote, the ERs are so backed up that gunshot victims were having hard times getting to facilities where they can get definitive care and be treated, Michaelia said. He added, all of their ambulances are stuck at the hospital waiting for a bed to open so they can take the patient in and they don't have any. That's it. If there's no ambulance to take the call, there's no ambulance to come to the call. And look, we, we just have to say, there really isn't a more American headline in the year of our Lord 2021 than emergency rooms are too full of people who ate horse paste to treat our many gunshot victims. That's that's America, baby. Actually. And I won't have it any other way. Actually, this next headline might rival the one you just read. Oh, okay. Joe Rogan says he tested positive for COVID-19. Takes unproven horse dewormer. Yep, that's, I mean, I'm not surprised. <sighs> Joe Rogan, the guy who previously told people that you probably don't need the vaccine if you're young or healthy because, you know, your immune system will take care of it. Yeah. Uh, he has contracted the virus. And instead of letting his healthy body deal with it himself he has literally taken every treatment he can find to beat it including yeah. horse deworming paste aka ivermectin i guess his immune system needed a lot more help than he uh thought i guess so before yeah also i mean it goes without saying at this point that uh there are uh, a lot of uh, a lot of cases of young people going to the hospital uh and getting very sick yeah so yeah anyway here's the clip that he posted to Instagram. I got up in the morning, got tested, and turns out I got COVID. So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at it. All kinds of meds, monoclonal antibodies, uh, ivermectin, Z-Pak, prednisone, everything. Uh, And I also got an NAD drip and a vitamin drip, and I did that three days in a row. And so here we are on Wednesday, and I feel great. I really only had one bad day. Sunday sucked, but Monday was better. Tuesday felt better than Monday. And today I feel good. I actually feel pretty fucking good. Oh, okay, so fine, whatever. He, I, what's actually fucked up here is that he is 
perpetuating the still unproven idea that ivermectin can cure COVID because he's you know, feeling better and will most likely be fine because he's a multimillionaire who has access to the best medical treatments in the world, including those monoclonal antibodies. That's what's doing it. Yeah. Like you get a lot of people and it's like, if they take ivermectin and they die, it's just like, well, I guess it didn't work. If they take ivermectin alongside every other treatment that these doctors are throwing at them, it's like, well, I, and, and I they guess live. it was the ivermectin. Wow, I guess that horse pace worked. But yeah. yeah, he added ivermectin to the mix of all that other stuff and recovered or will recover, probably. That will be used as proof that it works, despite him having quick access to exceptional medical care and treatments beyond ingesting. I guess it's not technically horse dewormer. I'm sure he was on the the human version. Yeah, yeah. Which, but that doesn't matter because it's still it's perpetuating the, same, the narrative. It's an anti-parasitic drug with very little evidence of any efficacy here. Yeah. So horse version or not, he took it, and if it works out, we're probably going to be hearing yeah, till the end of days about how uh, Joe Rogan was cured. Yeah, you won't hear about the monoclonal a- 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 uh, antibodies, uh, the very very expensive. Uh, treatment that Donald Trump actually got when yeah. he got the COVID. Which is... Instead, uh, you'll be like, oh, did you hear Joe Rogan got the COVID? He just, uh, you know, ate a tube. It was apple flavored. I and mean, he was fine the next day. Even those antibodies, those monoclonal antibodies, like a lot of people right now are just sort of assuming, because they are apparently very effective. They're assuming that if they get the COVID, you know, they'll, they'll get, just get that. Just but like, there's a lot more conditions Towards getting it, like, and not if, every normal person off the street is going to be getting it. Yeah, that like they don't have an unlimited supply, but it, it's also uh, based on. I'm not totally sure on this, but it's like it depends on where you're at in your course of the virus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to take it like very early on. You yeah, can't start taking it once things get and bad. And so, someone like Joe Rogan, who got a hundred million dollars from Spotify, can be like, oh, "I'm not feeling well." He tested uh, with no symptoms. I'm literally going to yeah. go to the hospital, my or my doctor, and get yeah. the best fucking white glove treatment I can possibly afford. Yeah. And it will be nothing to me. Yeah. So that's the thing. And then, of course, this is going to get turned around to be like, he ate the horse paste. By the way, have you seen the actual fucking tubes? Yeah. yeah it looks like an apple pie that you go get down to the, at the grocery store. Yeah. It's, uh, looks delicious. Might uh, have to try some just for the taste. I'm kidding. That's- we have the paste. <laughs> <laughs> what was that from? It was like a post. Uh, like husband, uh, my husband's got uh, the symptoms. We have the paste. Don't worry, everyone. We have the the paste has been acquired. Anyway, uh, yeah, we we live in hell as uh, as we always say. But um, hey, we do have some more standard news dump fare coming up for you in just a second. But let's take a quick break to say thanks to our sponsor, starting with HelloFresh. Hello, the fall harvest is officially on with HelloFresh. Count on seasonal recipes like pumpkin cinnamon rolls and Friendsgiving ready sides, as well as fresh, high-quality ingredients that travel from the farm to your front door in less than a week. And HelloFresh's family-friendly menu is a big win for back-to-school season with easy, delicious recipes for drama-free dinners. In fact, HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, from vegetarian meals and calorie-smart choices to extra-special gourmet options, which, uh, again... uh, I had it about two weeks ago, but I can't stop thinking about it. I want them to add it to the list of a future order that I want to get. That damn ramen noodles that they had. The, like It was like a pork uh, ramen noodle thing. It was so and good. It was a fresh, wet, moist noodle. I'm still thinking about those noodles now. I'm thinking about those noodles. There's something for everyone to enjoy with recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. We're both big fans of just the level of variety that HelloFresh offers. And I love the the fall season. You get all the the squash Mm -hmm. and 
zucchini. Sweet and, potatoes. Yeah, I love I love meals that involve those. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the fall. They, it's it's it brings you out of your like cooking the same thing all over and over again into seasonal, into seasonal recipes that are uh, actually great and uh, make you look like a real chef. Yeah. No so one will know the difference. Actually, these are in season right now. <laughs> yeah. So start having fun in the kitchen like we are by going to HelloFresh.com slash NewsDump14 and using the code NewsDump14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. Again, that is up to 14 free meals by going to HelloFresh.com slash NewsDump14 and using code NewsDump14. This episode is also brought to you by Upstart. When it comes to paying off debt, it can often feel like an uphill battle. High interest rates resulting in minimum monthly payments keep you in an endless cycle of debt. Upstart can help you get ahead. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. Unlike other lenders, Upstart looks at more than just your credit score, like your income and employment history. This means they can offer smarter rates with trusted partners. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate upfront for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com newsdump. That is upstart.com newsdump. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash newsdump. All right, back into the news now and keeping with the theme of updates for now. Uh, I, if somehow you've missed our ongoing coverage of the Jeopardy host saga, weird shit is still happening for some reason. Uh, here's the extremely quick recap, just in case. Alex Trebek died, which was sad because everyone loved him and he was the face of the show. They had guest hosts fill his shoes for over the past year until the production company would decide on a permanent host. Uh, there were a bunch of great guest hosts. Ken Jennings and LeVar Burton seemed to be the easiest picks for the role. But then suddenly some guy who no one had ever heard of announced that, you know what, I'm the host of Jeopardy now. People were like, what the fuck? But uh, it made sense when we heard that he was actually the executive producer of the show and had just given himself the job. Well, that's funny. It's my name on the... A little slip of paper. Weird. Thank you, everyone. And by everyone, I mean me. Uh, of course, that didn't make it any better. This guy had just given himself the job. Fuck him. Uh, it also came out, though, that he had made fat jokes and also uh, was a dick to his subordinates. So he had to step down from the role, which was good. Uh, but then there was no official host, except for Maya Bialik, who also sucks. And she was just host to, or supposed to host the special events of Jeopardy. Well, the guy who gave himself the hosting gig, Mike Richards, is now out of a job completely because he's an idiot who thought he could really get away with awarding himself the position of Jeopardy host. Literally, this guy blew the easiest, most well-paid gig in the world, producing a network game show because he had an ego to please. Uh, here's the story from Insider. Mike Richards, who stepped down as the new host of Jeopardy after past controversies and sexist comments resurfaced, has exited as executive producer of the popular syndicated game show, Sony executive Suzanne Prett said in a note to staff. We had hoped that when Mike stepped down from the host position at Jeopardy, it would have minimized the disruption and internal difficulties we've all experienced these last few weeks, Prett said in a memo seen by Insider. That has clearly not happened. Well, people are still mad about this? Uh, the memo was first reported by BuzzFeed News' David Mack. Richards is also out as the executive producer of Wheel of Fortune. Wow. You blew it. He <laughs> lost, guy really he lost two jobs over this. Two well-paying lifetime gigs. At shows that literally can't get canceled. They're just, they're going to be there forever. They are, they are staples. Yeah, because he just had to be the Jeopardy host. So that's uh, stepping on the biggest possible rake. Imagine a rake for a giant. Boom! 
the biggest rake you've ever seen. Imagine, imagine how much the executive producer of just one of those shows makes per year to do. It's such a cush gig. Look, I know it, it. There's definitely work that goes into it. Of course. But executive producer. Like, really, all you're doing is delegating and answering emails and going to conferences and, and d- talking These to the These shows are, they're an assembly line. They like, run themselves. Every, like, five years or so, they do a refresh on the set. But, like, everything else is in place. Yeah, the hardest time that he would have hosting one of these shows is when, like, Wheel of Fortune goes on location to, like, Wyoming. Yeah. Like, oh, geez. Oh, Pat Sajak, he forgot his uh, stirrups. Well, what are we going to do? I mean, also, working with Pat Sajak... Uh, Probably nightmare as well, apparently. uh, Pat Sajak, pretty weird guy. Also, Alex Trebek, apparently a very weird guy. Uh, Someone posted some old interview from like 10 years ago uh, of him. Beloved. I mean, it wasn't bad. He's just like a kind of a weird guy. Yeah, but... Like he jokes about like being an alcoholic a lot, or he did. Maybe a coping Uh, mechanism. Maybe, and he would like do impressions, but impressions of like old characters that anyone like under 60 wouldn't know like the reference to and be like guess what guess guess who this is who doesn't love a deep cut (laughs) look there's just stuff like that also he'd watch fox news all the time but he kept his politics to himself hey hey, look he's an old white man yeah i would i am not surprised i i'm not either beloved ex-host of jeopardy yeah i I will not ex-host he died so he is, uh, he was posthumously. Fired. He was fired by God. <laughs> posthumously still the host forever. Uh, anyway, speaking of people who try to ruin their careers on a daily basis, Kanye West finally released his new album, Donda. Donda Asta Donda. It's named after his dead mom. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, th- this album is the one that he has been putting the finishing touches on for over a month now at uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, where... He was basically living and sleeping in a locker room and would reportedly sneak up to the rafters to watch sporting events like the goddamn Phantom of the Opera. Like, there's like a... I don't yeah. know if it's actually like him, a, but there's like a photo yeah, just of a him guy. just like lurking yeah. in, in like shadowy the catwalk of like literally a hundred something feet I above the... I choose to believe that it was Kanye. Yeah. And he's wearing a mask. And he was wearing a mask. Yeah, he was wearing like a... There's no holes for the eyes. It was just mesh. That guy's going to... You better you gotta watch where you're going up there on the catwalk. Yeah. They're scary in the first place. You can see right through the ground. That's how Owen Hart died. Well, he was doing a stunt off of one. Still. He wasn't just out around there just watching. But uh, anyways. Uh, it, it, Donda was finally released, and it sucks. And before you start yelling, I was the one in here defending his entire musical career. The man, for a while, was prolific. Yeah. Some of the best albums and beats You'd ever heard. He's like almost single-handedly responsible for the transition from like gangsta bling era hip hop to more independent artistic yeah. producer uh, hip hop. He was very good and what a performer. Yeah. But it's been a while. I haven't listened to this album. Is it really that bad? It, I. It took me two drives uh-huh. to like listen to the whole thing. A little bit more than that actually. Um, and now I just. I, it's just not for me. It's like, I don't know. Is it a little, a little Jesusy? Well, there's a there's a bit of that. Nothing like his fucking gospel album. But like, <laughs> yeah, he's King. he's been All right. very strange for a very long time, very publicly. So it's like, yeah, that didn't translate into some untouchable, fantastic release that is undeniably good. It it All it right. kind of sucks, but um, that's just the way it is. And, and it's not just me. Critics agree. There's headlines like misfired lyrics from a diminished figure. 
or Kanye West reeks of desperation on dispiriting, exhausting Donda, and Kanye West searches for meaning on the muddled, grandiose Donda, or a bloated, incoherent mess, or Pitchfork, who gave the album a score of six, which is apparently half a point lower than an album released by children's cartoon character Peppa Pig. I mean, Pitchfork is a fucking joke now. Come on. Hey, look, when they get it right, they get it right really well. But they also do tend to uh, get very creative on stuff they don't like. Yeah. And, and like, their reviews are just of, annoying. There's a lot of movie critics that do that where they're just like, I'm going to use my hatred for this movie as a writing assignment yeah. to like get in a bunch of like super scorching takes that I think yeah. are brilliant. And Pitchfork does do that. But I, I, their scoring system kind of aligns with what I like. Anyways, that this is all aside what from did, the point. Uh, what did Melonhead think about it? Uh, he, uh, lukewarm to not liking. It's a, a soft six? I'd say about a five or six probably. <laughs> and Yeah. All right. It seemed, it seemed as though he overall did not like it. Yeah. Um, but I just kind of skimmed through the video. It, sorry. Yeah. I, I wasn't that interested in the album, so I wasn't that interested in his video of it. Okay. So, anyways, in a now-deleted... This is the point of all of this, okay, Elliot? This is the fucking point, all right? In a now-deleted tweet from the official verified Peppa Pig account, a screenshot uh, comparison showed off the two album scores. Uh, and there was, of course, a message from, presumably, Peppa Pig themselves saying, Peppa didn't need to host listening parties in Mercedes-Benz Stadium to get that extra .5. Damn. So, there you go. This is a beef... You don't want to get into Peppa. Yes. I will say, uh, literally, I've been listening, I, I've probably listened to this album 20 or 30 times in the past week. It is the best album of the year. I Look, I listen to a lot of fucking Kanye's music. Kanye's album? No, not Kanye's album. I'm about to say it. The I've listened to this as a whole, front to back, as the kids say, no skips. Uh, so many times. It came out last Friday, I believe. Turnstile Glow On. Didn't the guy take a shit? Yes, at their, uh, uh, their concert. Yeah. Someone took a poop on the floor in the mosh pit. Yeah, got all spread around. But that's aside the point. The, the album is it's incredible. It's like a, an old school hardcore band took the best parts of what music has created in the past 10 years or so. There's like a lot of slower stuff, uh, some electronic stuff, some, some shoegaze stuff, and put it into a hardcore album. And it's, it's incredible. Go listen to that. I, I can't say enough about it. I can't stop listening to it. So instead of Kanye what. Kanye West Donda. I haven't heard Drake yet, but I, I don't know. Anyways, that's enough music news. Yeah. Let's do the uh, COVID movie shuffle once again. It's been a while, guys. But the movies are once again being pushed back because of the pandemic. Yeah. A few movies that just cannot catch a break and presumably will never be released. Movies that would have been three or four years old by the time they're actually released. Movies that they're probably going to have to Photoshop references out of. Yeah, like imagine the plot point of like Top Gun Maverick is that they were in Afghanistan. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this time the he's the last pilot out of Afghanistan. The, sh the big shuffle. It's coming to Paramount, who has once again moved the sequel to Top Gun. This time back to May twenty seventh, Memorial Day weekend of next year. That was supposed to come out in twenty twenty, right? Summer of twenty twenty. Jesus, I think. Yeah. Uh, Mission Impossible Seven, another Tom Cruise joint. It will not hit theaters until September 30th of 2022. More than a year from now. Yeah. And uh, this next one really hurts the most because we were really looking forward to this. But it's it's a movie that you kind of do have to see in the theaters because half the fun is laughing along with 
a room full of other people. So if this we, is what it takes to get it released in theaters, say We get it. It's fine. Yeah. Jackass 4, a.k.a. Jackass Forever, has been pushed from October of this year all the way to February of 2022, which isn't a huge push. No, but it was something I was looking forward to Yeah, that's not happening anymore. I mean, it sucks. I get it. I understand. It's gonna. I'm going to cherish it even more when February finally comes around. But I, I was genuinely looking forward to that. Yeah, and I'm sure it'll be worth the wait. I, I really do... Man, wouldn't it be great if the pandemic was over by February? It'll be over by Easter, 2076. Um, but yes, I this is a movie where if it was released like same day on a streaming service, I, I probably wouldn't watch it and I'd wait to go see it in a theater. I would only watch it on streaming if I invited over literally yeah. like 20 people to my yeah. house. Yeah, and that would be the way to do it. It's not, you, you don't want to watch this shit alone. No. You would laugh, but uh, it's, it's just not, not the same. It's not the same. Yeah. But hey, at least we have Dune, right? At least we're pretty sure we have Dune still. Uh, it's doing the whole simultaneous release with HBO Max, so it looks like it's still definitely going to come out into theaters at the same time. But uh, Dune from Denis Villeneuve is is one that both of us, and I'm sure you out there watching, would prefer to see in theaters. Yeah. Uh, it's still scheduled for October 22nd, and uh, as of this week, it has actually screened for some movie press. And mm, reactions are a bit all over the place, depending on uh, which... Yeah. Newspaper the or whatever people, you want to the read. The people whose blog. opinions I trust about this all seem to like it. Yes. yes. The people who are really into like sci-fi and really into Denny Villeneuve seem to really think it's good. Yeah, so, so I'm not feeling too bad about these early reactions. But uh, yeah, it, according to people that have seen it, it's either the greatest movie ever made or kind of disappointing. Uh, obviously, we have high hopes for it. Villeneuve hasn't let us down yet, but here's what critics are saying so far. Variety's own Gleberman said that Dune is spectacular and engrossing until... It isn't. Ooh. What could that mean? And David Ehrlich of IndieWire said it was a massive disappointment, adding, for all of Villeneuve's awe-inducing vision, he loses sight of why Frank Herbert's foundational sci-fi opus is worthy of this epic spectacle in the first place. Such are the pitfalls of making a movie so large that not even its director can see around the sets. Hmm. But then you have Ben Travis from Empire, who said Dune is an absorbing, awe-inspiring, huge adaptation of half of Frank Herbert's novel that will wow existing acolytes and get newcomers hooked on its spice-fueled visions. If part two never happens, it'll be a travesty. The Independent's Clarice Lowry said the movie, quote, fucking slaps, and that Villeneuve's Dune is the sandworm exploding out from the darkness below. It is a film of such literal and emotional largeness that it overwhelms the senses. If all goes well, it should reinvigorate the book's legacy in the same way Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy did for J.R.R. Tolkien's work. Uh, Steve Frosty Weintraub of Collider said, I know you're used to people raving about a movie on social media after it premieres, but trust me when I say Denny Villeneuve's Dune is a masterpiece not just of science fiction, but of cinema. Haven't felt transported like that in a movie theater in a long time. Yeah, and friend of the show, Dan Casey from Nerdist, he tweeted, Dune is a cinematic thunderclap, maybe my favorite film of the year. Denny Villeneuve and co-created a phenomenal adaptation of Herbert's work. It feels alien in the way that best sci-fi does and balances visceral violence and cruelty with resilience and hope. An absolute banger. I trust Dan's opinion. Yeah. He's got good taste. He does. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see for ourselves next month when it hits theaters or HBO Max. Although everyone involved in this movie is like, please, please go see it, please in, see it in the theater. You know, surprisingly, I don't know if this is good or bad for the health of the country, but uh, surprisingly, uh, Shang-Chi is breaking box office records. It's, uh, it, It'll easily unseat uh, Halloween, which was the biggest. The remake of Halloween was like the wow. biggest 
uh, Labor Day yeah. release, but it already is beating, uh, as of the time we filmed this, it has beaten uh, Black Widow and uh, Fast and Furious uh, for Thursday night, early Friday. Damn. So uh, there you go. And, and the reviews are incredible. Um, so I'll catch that one on Disney Plus. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got, look, if I'm going to, you know, I'm saving all my COVID anxiety for Dune yeah. and for Jackass. That's what that's, I'm gonna I'll, put see, on, I'll put on the hazmat suit for Dune. Yeah, I'm going to go see Dune at like 11.30 in the morning on a Wednesday. I'm going to call them up beforehand. Like, so do you clean it after every screening? Yeah. Uh-huh. And, Hopefully uh, the razor mask will be out by then. Yeah. I'll do the double mask with uh, everything. But no, I'll, I'll probably see Dune like, yeah, like a Thursday or Wednesday morning at like 11 a.m. Yeah, um, I think that's the way to do but it. But yeah, it's, uh, look... It, it, that movie's actually... It, there's a lot of things that were, like, going against Shang-Chi. It's, like, uh, also half the country is underwater right now. Yeah. Uh, so it's performing exceptionally well. Like, this is a very good sign that people do actually want to go see movies in theaters again. So uh, this is a great... Hollywood a, is back. It's a great sign. I just hope that uh, this doesn't, uh, obviously, spread a virus further. Um, well... There you go. Whatever happens, happens. Anyways, let's finish on a more positive note. Mark your calendars, folks. Seinfeld, in its entirety, is coming to Netflix on October 1st. This is actually great news because I do have Hulu and it has been available there, but it's there's ads all over it. Um, so it's like, it's so nice to be able to knock out an entire episode of Seinfeld in just 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, this is fantastic news. From Variety, all 180 episodes of the classic 1990s sitcom are launching on October 1st on the streaming giant. Quote, Larry, David, and I are enormously grateful to Netflix for taking this chance on us. It takes a lot of guts to trust two schmucks who literally had zero experience in television when we made this thing, said Jerry Seinfeld in a joke statement. We really got carried away, I guess. I didn't realize we'd made so many of them. Hope to recoup God knows how many millions it must have taken to do. But worth all the work if people like it. Crazy project. Uh, Netflix acquired the rights to Seinfeld in 2019 in an expensive five-year deal with Sony Pictures Television, which controls the distribution of the former NBC series. Then, the show was still under a streaming deal with Hulu, where it stayed through the middle of this year. So look, hey, if there's a lot of young people that watch this show, if you've never taking the dive into Seinfeld. Maybe you see like a rerun every once in a while. Yeah. But taking the dive, it's pretty much the pinnacle of sitcom comedy. It and, is. You know, Way better than that Friends. Boo. I mean, I do enjoy Friends, but it's on a completely different level. Friends is for like staying home sick and like eating a little soup. Friends is like whenever you're in a new relationship. That's like how you spend, when you're finally spending time together at whoever's apartment, it's always like, hey, Friends. Remember Friends? For me back then, it was like Arrested Development. Yeah. I had the Arrested Development DVDs. It's like, nothing to do? Let's watch Arrested Development. Let's pop in one of these babies. Um, anyways, uh, that's it for this week's episode of News Dump. Be sure to watch our most recent episode of Tech News Day over here, a.k.a. The Doomer Report. And uh, also, if you somehow missed it, uh, there was a fake football team that went all the way. Almost. And all the way to the television set. The inevitable documentary will definitely be entertaining. Yeah. Can't so. wait for that 30 for 30. Check out both of those, and we'll see you uh, very soon for an episode of Weekly Weird News. Bye.